Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors. Take a walk and make a podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. And it is Thanksgiving week, which means... We have nothing to do. Right. (laughs) So we're going to try to uh, do this quick and dirty. What is astonishing you this week? Well... um... You know, several weeks ago, no, actually a couple months ago. Can I just say, I think it's funny how often we'll be like, what's astonishing you? And the thing, for both of us, and the thing that immediately follows what's astonishing you is a big, deep sigh. (laughs) I just feel like, hmm, the word astonish doesn't quite mean what we seem to be thinking that it means. I think that's just a sign of our fatigue. (laughs) Yes. This is a very, yes. Yes. Anyway, what is astonishing you? Well, a couple months ago, you went to a conference Here in the city. Yes. And that conference was mostly about, if I remember correctly, um, a church's digital presence. Correct. Right? And um, it was very good. The information you uh, shared with me was fantastic. And we started talking about our online presence for our churches beyond the usual website and Facebook um, and we talked about starting some videos, some YouTube videos. Right. And, and to catch up, I mean, the conference that I was at, which was sponsored by MechMen, was basically saying if we're really serious about inviting people who aren't already in relationship with Jesus into our congregations, then we need to be putting content and invitations out into the places where those people are. So, I mean, I always gently laugh at the number of churches in our presbytery who advertise outreach events at their churches on the weekly presbytery e-newsletter that goes out to other presbyterian pastors and elders and I want to be like friends if you're doing an outreach event the people you're reaching out to are not other presbyterians it should be people who really don't know that they're God's beloved and don't know they're part of the story and the um, conference was just talking about right now in this cultural moment, people do everything online. They do everything online. Mm-hmm. They order their groceries online. They do virtual visits with their doctors online. They date online. People do the most meaningful um, exchanges in their lives online before they ever go to in person. And so as churches, if we expect people to meet us for the first time in our brick and mortar spaces, we're just not going to where people are and that we need to be willing to have a virtual presence to be part of that reality because that's where people who are far from the body of Christ are. And if we won't go there, then we just won't engage them. And if we will go there, it is an opportunity to share faith. Correct. And so one of the things I've noticed and now have become a part of, you know, when I watch videos online, I used to only watch like fairly long like lectures. I would watch an hour-long lecture by mm-hmm. N.T. Wright. And I noticed that I, I still watch those, but now I also do a lot of two-minute, five-minute videos. They're really just clips. And um, that's becoming really popular. And so you and I have been talking about doing that. I'm like, we, we can do that. And so for the past um, uh, 
few weeks, I've just been obsessed with um, uh, filmmaking tutorials and lighting videos, and I now know what B-roll is and um, a color grading, and so I'm really excited to do these videos, but, but I noticed once again um, our wiring is so different because you have been saying, let's just do it. Let's not think mm -hmm. about it. Let's just, and you are a let's figure it out while we're diving headfirst into it kind of person. And I've been, you know, just in my huddle, I pulled a tarp over this project and have just been working to uh, think through, okay, what? how am I going to do this video? And what is it going to be like? And what am I trying to say? And I think I'm finally about ready. And so I'm super excited. I'm astonished to be doing this um, because I'm a person, again, that watches a lot of YouTube videos. And now I'm excited about being a creator. Well, we were just talking about this this morning because we had talked about doing a first Advent video to put out there to invite people to be part of this season because this is a time of year when a lot of folks feel like maybe giving things a try again and so just wanting to you know create an entry point for people and and I was we had said we were going to try one today and then your response upstairs was uh, was we're at the seminary today and your response in the library was well I'm not ready I need other things and I'm like no 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 we just need to do it because first pancake rule right like the first <laughs> pancake is always bad so you just need to like get it on the griddle accept that it's not going to be very great so that you can learn something and make the second pancake and I think for me Hey, I just think there's something really faithful about doing something before you're ready because that is the life of spiritual growth. You don't get to look like an expert your first try out of the gate. And I think a lot of it is like our need to show up and appear to be something in the world in a certain way that stops us from, you know, following the spirit into places of vulnerability and learning and growth. So you got to start as a beginner and you got to be bad before you can be good. And I would just rather hurry up and get the bad part over so we can get to the good part. So, so but I, I, I must remind you of introvert spirituality. Well, I, but is, <laughs> introvert spirituality is you sit and you soak it in. You soak it in and then you're ready. And it, you're right. First pancake roll, yes. First video is probably going to be... It's going to be, but, but I'm just saying, like, at some point you just have to do the thing. Absolutely. And at some Absolutely. point, I mean, like the the... When I look at the biblical story, people are always called to start where they are and Absolutely. begin before they're ready and, you know, do this thing before, you know, it's a learn on the job kind of thing. Come sure. and see. So we just need to come and see. So but we're going to do this. We're yes. going to do this. I mean, I think there's a difference between spirituality and ministry. Anyway, you're just not whatever. Letting, you're not going to let me off the hook. Well, that. I'm just saying clearly the body of Christ needs... Both kinds of people. Both. There's a reason our friendship works, is Absolutely. all I'm saying. Yes. You need yes. me to be like, quit watching videos and make one. And I need you to do all that work because, honestly, we wouldn't be making this podcast except for the fact that you spent I'm months... I'm obsessive compulsive. Like, no, you're not obsessive compulsive. Well, whatever. I mean, you just spent months figuring out, like, what kind of microphone do we need and how do I produce this and where do I host it and whatever. So, yes, there's a, a need for both of us. So... Anyway. So what is astonishing you? Well, here's what's astonishing me. Um, the Starbucks cups. The Starbucks <laughs> cups 
are astonishing me. They come out the day after October, and I go to Starbucks a lot, and I'm not even going to apologize. And this year, they are exceptionally ugly. They are so garish. They're ugly. And I'm trying to figure out, like, A, it just makes me mad every time I get a Starbucks cup because it's ugly, and I don't want to look at it. And Starbucks does nothing, you know, slapdash. Like everything is very intentional and they have a very particular aesthetic. And these Starbucks cups do not fit them. They're they're just garish. But what they are is bright red and bright green. And so what I've decided is that Starbucks just did like a subversive move in the culture wars that last year they did some cups and they caught a bunch of grief because they weren't red and green. And so people were like, you're taking the Christ out of Christmas Starbucks, which I personally didn't feel that any corporation had the power to do. But, you know, it was this thing about, you know, you're trying to homogenize and, you know, pushing down. So this year I think that some designer was like, you need it to look like Christmas, that's red and green, so I'm going to give you red and green, and so no one can complain that they are hideously ugly, and that's what I'm, it's ugly, and that is what I am astonished about, because not all of my thoughts are deep or holy. So let's, let's, let's play with your theory for a moment. Let, let's say you're ab- so ugly. Like I'm looking at one right now. It's so <laughs> ugly. And Starbucks is like this little affordable luxury, right? And it just mm. it hurts my eyes. It's like, it's like I, I hate cologne. People don't know this about me, but I hate smells. Oh, I hate perfume. Hate. I hate cologne. Like I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you spent. I don't want to smell you, period. Like that's the goal in civilization, I think, is for everyone to not smell. So I don't want you to smell bad, but I want you to smell good. Like I hate it when I walk into a space and like someone's cologne is in the back of my throat. I hate it. And these Starbucks cups are so ugly. They're like visual cologne. They hurt me. Did you say visual cologne? They're visual cologne. They hurt me. They're awful. That's it. That's all I have to say. We're not going to make this deep in any way. We just need to move on. Okay, because I was wondering if there's a lesson for the church in this. No, there's There's not not. a lesson for the church. I'm sorry. Go on. No. Take take it to the cross, preacher. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just just play with your theory that they did this on purpose as a response to the criticism they were getting. I don't really, really think they did it on purpose. I'm just being... I think maybe they might have. They're super ugly. Okay, anyway, go but ahead. But I wonder if, if there's a lesson for the church. Instead of trying to um, be slick enough, Hollywood enough, light show enough for the culture, if there's something uh, that, if there's some call of the spirit that says, stop trying to be good enough for the culture and just be ugly and raggedy and... Yeah, and... I, Broken. A, a thousand, I mean, what I think is interesting about you saying that is in the context of the previous part of our conversation. Mm. That's my whole point about starting before oh, you're ready. There's just something zing. holy and sacred bazing. about a first step, and it you doesn't have to me. be Hollywood produced, right? I mean, like, we're just unashamed to do something that the culture doesn't understand or value, just to say, like, hey, what am I doing by making a video? Am I trying to yeah. look slick? No, I'm yeah. trying to invite someone who yeah. the Holy Spirit might have brought to that part of yeah. the YouTube-averse yeah. <laughs> to say, this might be full of you know mistakes and bad lighting, but there's a sincere 
invitation and a real articulation of what we believe that might make someone whose life doesn't feel together at all feel like, oh, that's a place where I could show up and maybe in my, be my real self in all kinds of mess and, and be excited. So whatever. That's good. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) What What are you thinking about? I am thinking about, um, Continuing from last week, talking about Advent and uh, spiritual disciplines, I need to sit down with my calendar and plan out my Advent disciplines. And specifically, I need to plan uh, my fasting time. Advent is my favorite time of the year to fast more than Lent, um, and I guess because it's a it's a season in which we are surrounded buy so much food and mm-hmm. um, it really is a at least for me a good time to fast and um, one of the reasons why I love 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 fasting is um, every time I do it I have this image um, um, in my head that actually it's a story from my childhood and I don't know if I, I told this on the podcast last year but um I remember when I was a kid, we bought this new house, and for the first time, we had a wood-burning fireplace, and we were so excited, and um, we just immediately wanted a fire in the fireplace, and Dad got some wood, but it was, like, really fresh. It was really green. Mm-hmm. It really, I mean, like, there was still sap, like, mm-hmm. oozing. And, I mean, it was all smoke and no fire. Mm-hmm. And then he got some that was, like, really dry, and it just burned wonderfully. And uh, what fasting does for me is that it, it does have that kind of drying up of worldliness and um, self-centeredness. And um, I, I just feel the need to plan that out. And I haven't usually by this time um, before Thanksgiving. I have that scheduled and, and I don't. And I really feel the need to do that. So that's what's, what's on my mind. That's a really helpful image as someone who is not naturally prone <laughs> To fasting, shocking, <laughs> but still recognizes that just because it doesn't come naturally that's doesn't right. mean it's not good yeah. and for me and a, a place of growth. So that's a really, really helpful image to think about the green wood and the dried out wood and like the flame is obviously a the really Spirit, powerful yeah. metaphor for the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'm I'm inviting by fasting. I see myself, I understand myself to be inviting the Holy Spirit to burn. It's like I'm Mm -hmm. offering myself. No, and that makes a lot of sense because I think a lot of times one of my great frustrations is just feeling like my internal um, relationship with the Lord is... um, you know, obscured by a lot of smoke and mirrors. So the green, you know, just being so... So that's good. Yeah. Good. So what are you thinking about? Well, I, um, this week, and it's Tuesday, this week has been a rough week (laughs) for me, um, which is okay. Um, And I I saw a a meme, a graphic on social media recently um, that said, a church without broken people is a broken church. And I really a thousand percent agree with that. Um, And I also think, uh, you know, a church with broken people is also a broken church, right? Like a church where you're really trying to invite in and welcome people, not once they get their act together and not once they already know and are mature in Christ, but really being able to say, you know, this is sacred ground and the Holy Spirit is the one that really 
makes things um, real and 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 so it does it isn't up to us or our performances or our maturity or our gifts or our talents it's, it's beyond that and so we can begin um, to trust God with one another and start where we are and it can be you know I don't know life at the Grove a lot of days is like the first pancake right and so um, and it's just That's hard just ministry right well but I think there are churches where mm. there's a level of resourcing where certain things that really matter are left to the professionals things can be paid for it becomes you know like we don't you know that that church becomes a like commercial operation where members give money and then they receive ministry as opposed to what I think is, the more difficult and I think the more faithful and authentic way of being church, which is we are called together to be the body of Christ in the world. And so as members, we do ministry. And that means, you know, wh- wherever we are is where we start um, with meaningful tasks and responsibilities. And there's no way to grow without, I, I mean, you can't just observe, right? Like it's a come and see kind of life. But so I believe in that, but also the reality of it means like a lot of times like things fall through the cracks and things don't get done and people, you know, are unable to keep their commitments in ways that really matter, sometimes for really understandable reasons and sometimes just for sheer human brokenness. And and you can't make a church except out of broken people, but it's just hard. And I think one of my gifts for ministry is that I, I really do have a high capacity for like chaos and uncertainty. I I really do. Like normally it just really, like I'm good at that. It doesn't bother me. And I, and I certainly, you know, I can, even when I'm in a really healthy space, just kind of delight in the weird zaniness of like what you have to do, um, behind the scenes when things don't come together. Um, but when I'm not, when I'm tired and when I haven't been resting and when I haven't been making space in my life to really drink deeply from the living waters, then, then people, I start taking people in their brokenness really personally. So like when someone can't keep a commitment, it feels like it's, it feels like it's about me (laughs) or it feels like it's about the value that they have for the church, which I take really personally, instead of what I know is the reality of like, this is just where people are. And, and I just think, you know, it's, it's hard because we want the church to be a place for broken people, but we also want it to be a place that operates flawlessly and with excellence all the time. And those are just mutually exclusive desires sometimes. And I think it's really difficult as a pastor when you have a high capacity to kind of fill in the gaps and, you know, and you want to do that, right? But but sometimes you can't. And sometimes, you know, when there are gaps you are the person who's visible. And so it looks like you're the one who didn't prepare or you're the one, you know, who's standing up to lead a part of worship and stumbling through it. And you're not going to, you're not going to say, well, today the person who was going to do this didn't, I mean, you're not going to do that and you shouldn't do that. But also, I mean, so it's just that same thing. Like I have values and I'm trying to live them out and I'm trying to be realistic about the fact that values cost something and that it's more important to be a thing than to look like you're a thing. But there are times when I just get really caught up in, you know, how my church looks and how I look as a pastor and how it's perceived. And also, and we were talking about this on the walk, like I don't want to create a church where people 
I mean, I, I do not think that the real Church of Jesus Christ is a place where people feel like their belonging and their worth is contingent on how well they perform and like how well they behave. Like the body of Jesus Christ needs to be a place where broken and flawed people know that they're welcome and they have sacred worth regardless um, and as they are, not as they quote should be. And you try to create this space of grace and because we live in a culture that says the cream rises to the top, like sometimes by accepting people where they are, I think what people what people think is, oh, this doesn't really matter to you. Or like, you know, like trying to create a space of grace doesn't mean that I don't, doesn't mean that it doesn't matter if you keep your commitments, right? But I don't know how, I really struggle with how to be honest with people and let them know that like, you are fine and you are good and you are beloved and you are worthy and your belonging in this community is not at stake here. And it, it mattered that you couldn't come or that you didn't do this thing or that, you know, and I just, I really struggle with, I really struggle with how to be honest with people in a way that gives life instead of gives guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because so many churches, the currency of so many churches and so many institutions in general is threat, guilt, and shame. That is what motivates people to show up. Like that's, people get things done. It, it's a it's a very efficient way to make something look like it's happening. And so it's just hard to get people to understand that a community of grace is a space that, you know, we're free to give our best, that this is what we want to, what we want to commit to more. And we're just talking about certain people who I, who I really love, who I want to create grace for and say that I understand what you're, what you're doing in your life. I understand, or I don't understand, but I just have great reverence for the burdens that you carry. And I don't want this community to be one more place where you are, feel burdened. And also that means participation in this community is the first thing to go. And that's hard because I feel like the thing then that you are letting go of is the very thing that might be bringing you the most life, the most strength, the most joy in carrying your burdens, right? And that's just, I mean, that's just a real struggle. You know, the church has to be a place of grace. It is a place of grace. So any church that's not a place of grace is not an actual church. But it also is a place of growth and transformation, which means, you know, people hear truth and those truths are ultimately life-giving, but before they're life-giving, they're life-changing. And so anyway, I've just been thinking about that a lot this week because it it was just an interesting, sometimes, you know, you just get in a little blip where all of a sudden a lot of little things happen at once. And it's not that any of them are really abnormal. It's just, or even on themselves, a very big deal. But when they all happen at once and you're just like, I don't like, I'm... I'm exhausted. And then I start being resentful for people being human. And that's when I realized like, oh, the the church does not have a problem. I have a problem. Like I'm not yoked to Christ in the right way because I, I'm not trusting Jesus in this community. Yeah, where I get into trouble in leadership is when I when my thinking shifts into 
I'm building the church mm-hmm. instead of I'm discipling people, mm-hmm. right? And that's so twisted because Jesus is building the church, mm-hmm. right? He said, I will build my church. My job is to disciple people. And so if I'm overly concerned about what what the church looks like, then me and my own leadership, I stopped discipling people. And, I, yeah, yeah, and when Jesus did ministry on earth, it looked like discipling people. Mm-hmm. And so that's just difficult. And I mean, discipling people is and should be invisible. And so that that's hard um, when my ego and my need for people to think that I'm a good pastor and a good Christian means that I want things that I do to be visible. So just this is just a a tricky business. (laughs) I mean, a tricky calling to live out Mm -hmm. in that way. And, um, and so this week, this week is just a struggle and, um, and it's a hard, it's not the best time to be struggling coming into, um, really intense and intense season. And I have always said that, you know, if you're a pastor that is feeling like burdened or complaining about Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, then like, why are you in this work, right? Like this is, this is the, this season is a gift. We get to do this. We get to do this. And so, um, when, anyway, that's what I'm thinking about. So what are you preaching about this first Sunday of Advent? This first Sunday of Advent, I am preaching that traditional text, Matthew 24, about the second coming of the Son of Man. <laughs> oh, everyone's but, favorite. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a jarring text, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jesus is very clear. Watch, be ready, because the Son of Man is coming, and... I mean, he gives these three pictures or illustrations. You know, one, uh, uh, when the Son of Man comes, it'll be like uh, the days of Noah and the flood. It'll right? be like, whoa. It, it, it will be trouble for some, right? <laughs> and let's see, what's the, the second image? Oh, he says, you know, there'll be um, two in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. There'll be two grinding at the meal. One will be like taken in, one will be left. Are you gonna Are you gonna debunk rapture crap theology for people? Uh, you know, I did that two years ago. I don't think we can ever do it enough. And tell, it, tell the list, give the listeners what they. Well, a couple of years ago, I remember preaching this exact text, and I was, I, and I'd never seen this before. I've, I've studied this and I've preached this text many times over twenty years, and. Uh, Two years ago, what got my attention was, as in the days of Noah, mm-hmm. one will be taken. No, no. Well, he begins by saying, as in the days of Noah and then the flood, and then he goes to the field image. One will be taken, one will be left. And so uh, in our culture, uh, especially American culture. And Tim pe- LaHaye's culture. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and people around the world, uh, Christians around in other parts of the world, don't have this immediate template. But when we read that, we immediately think, oh, this is the rapture where you want to be taken mm-hmm. and you don't want to be left, left behind. behind. Mm-hmm. And um, and I can't remember uh, which commentary I was reading, but it said um, <laughs> what Jesus is saying here is that you want to be left. Those who are taken 
are like those who are taken away in the, the flood. flood of Noah, right? Mm -hmm. So to be taken away is to be taken away in judgment. To be left is to be left for blessing is to be saved. And so I remember preaching that a couple of years ago, and it just disturbed some people. It just rocked mm -hmm. their world. Um, I remember after worship, uh, one of the Sunday school teachers grabbed me and said, you, you've got to come to my class today because uh, our, our Sunday school classes are after worship. And we're gonna, we need to talk about mm -hmm. what you preached. And so um, I wasn't thinking about focusing on that this week. Uh, uh, this time, what's really getting my attention is the, is the be ready. Like the coming of Jesus really is disruptive. Um, he, he's very clear it's gonna be sudden, uh, that there's gonna be separation. It's going to be dramatic, for some, painful, and um, Jesus is seeking to sober us up, and I think that's that's the that's the emphasis for us this week. It's the it's the get ready. It's the um, do not take your spiritual life lightly. Right? Don't think okay. Um, when I was whatever years old, I walked the aisle, or when I was in Sunday school, I did this particular Christian, I said the prayer, and so now I got it, and so I'm just in my spiritual easy chair just waiting for the Lord's return. And Jesus, my friend Ryan says, we, we don't believe in pie in the sky by and by uh -oh. anymore, which we do, but he said, we've traded it for a cake on a plate while we wait. Yes. <laughs> which is a good That's one. That's very good. I yes. You should. Yes. Um, but friend, you're in 52 weeks of joy. So what well, you doing about joy? Oh, man. <laughs> so you had to bring that up, right? I did because, I mean. The, the joy is we get a warning now. The joy is, <laughs> the joy is, is that if you will be ready, you, the joy is you can be ready, right? It's not like. That's better. <laughs> so. I don't know. Gee, I just, you, you it, better it seems, spell that out. The text seems to say, look seems to assume that most people are not ready. That most people, if the Lord were to return right now, most of us would not be ready. And the good news, the joy, is that we have this opportunity in this season right now to get ready. And there is this invitation, come. Uh, this grace is free. This The door is open. So uh, that's the joy. <laughs> I think you might want to keep tweaking that well, joy yeah. part. <laughs> We're working. It's only Tuesday. It's only man. Tuesday. It's, it's only, only Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, if you don't feel like hearing about apocalyptic doom at Dorita Presbyterian oh, on the harsh. first <laughs> Sunday of Advent, we're going to be entering into the glorious impossible at the Grove, and um, we're using that as our our theme for Advent this year about how Jesus is the glorious impossible God's glory which is what seems impossible to us and um each of the weeks of advent that in Jesus we find impossible hope impossible peace impossible joy and impossible love that Jesus is the incarnation of all of that and so this is week one impossible hope and I'm looking at Isaiah 2 and Isaiah 11 and just some of those prophetic um promises of shalom of what it looks like when Jesus is 
enthroned and the world is fully redeemed and you know just these promises about Jesus as a king who is all powerful and all good mm. and so his power isn't you know a, it doesn't create a sphere where there are winners and losers and winners take all but a, but a sphere where there's justice and where there's abundance and where there's you know just mutual well-being and flourishing and those that image of a king in Isaiah we just look at that and we're like that's that's fairy tale that's that's just impossible and I think that's, that's where good. that idea in Advent that that word impossible comes up again and again and in Zechariah and in Mary and just this idea that that all things are possible with God and so Isaiah we have this hope that is you know, in the flesh impossible. And yet the incarnation is impossible. Like our life in God is through this glorious impossible, which is God made flesh for us, not against us. And so that's what we're talking about. And I just think it's really important that we have, that we have hope for what is impossible, because if not, we begin to just settle for hope of the best of what seems possible for us. And those are ungodly hopes. And we are called to be a people who have godly hopes and hopes that only God can fulfill. And anyway, so that's what we're doing this Sunday at the Grove. And if anybody wants to find out more about Dorita Presbyterian Church, you can Google Dorita Pres and it will shoot you over to their website. And if you want to learn more about the Grove, you can look at thegrovecharlotte.org and you can listen to Yolando's really great sermons on the Podbean um, website. Just look for Dorita Church Podcast. And if you want to hear some sermons from the Grove, you can go to iTunes and look at The Grove Charlotte. And we will be back next week. Thanks for listening.